Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. Wow, I wish you could see what I see. <laughs> There's like almost no open seats in the house. So, yeah, welcome. Yeah. Uh, welcome to 2024. Can you believe it's on us already? Uh, let me say this. If, um, if you're here today and you don't like crowds, then come to first service at 8 o'clock. All right? There's plenty of seats there. Or 11.15, there's plenty of seats there as well. If you're watching online, we welcome you today. Welcome to 2024. Uh, this is, uh, I hope, will be one of our best years ever. We're, we are starting off with 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we're partnering together with a total of 21 churches as we do this. So there's over 10,000 people in the Upper Cumberland that their churches will be doing this together with us as we seek the Lord, and we know that he will hear and that he will answer. And so we're kicking it off today uh, with Joel. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and open to Joel chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible of your own, it's page 688 in the Burgundy Bible that should be under the seat in front of you or next to you. Now, Joel is an interesting book. It's only three chapters, and it's a book uh, by a man named Joel, and he is speaking to the Israelites, actually the, the Jews people that live, the Jews that live in Judea, and he's calling them out of their sin. They're going through a difficult time. It's a, it's a time where the famine has taken place in their land because of some locusts that have come and have eaten so much of their food that they are struggling, and they then are seeking the Lord in that time. As often the times with many of us in in our lives, it's when we're struggling the most that we're seeking the most. Is that a fair statement? Well, here we are in 2024, and things aren't always going great in our nation, and this is an election year. Ru-wee-hi. <laughs> Everybody's ready for that, aren't we? And as we're going into this election year, I think it's really important that we start our year with prayer and fasting. And so the next 21 days, we're inviting you to join us on a journey. Now, if you've never done this before, listen, I had never fasted until I became a Christian, and actually it was years into my Christian faith before I fasted. Uh, the church that I was a part of uh, did not practice fasting. Uh, the first probably 10 years of my Christianity. But when I became a pastor, I started thinking, uh, why is it that he's always talking about past, uh, fasting in the Bible, and where does that need to be applied in the life of the church? And a couple of years ago, we started fasting at the beginning of the year. Sometimes we would fast before Easter, and then last year we invited other churches to join us, and we had seven churches last year, and this year we've got 21. And, and fasting is very simple in the fact that it is denying yourself food so that you can focus on God. That, that's the essence of fasting. I am sorry. I don't know what I need to do to make this thing not pop. Let's try putting it down there. Uh, so denying yourself food 
so that you can focus on God. And so we've got some guides out there. Uh, as you came in the four years, we, we printed these up this year, the 21 Days of Fasting Plan. And this actually came from Scott over at Stephen Street, one of our partners in this. And he put this plan together. I was like, you know what? I like that. I'm going to steal that. Because, you know, every good idea deserves to be shared. So uh, he offered us to steal that. I was like, yeah, man, that's good stuff. And so I hope you'll work through this plan this week, hopefully even today, and to ask the Lord what he wants you to fast and how he wants you to fast and some goals of this time as we seek to fast. Now, it's important that we have the right heart in this. We're not fasting so that people look at us and go, oh, look, they're really spiritual, okay? It's just the opposite. We're fasting and we're humbling ourselves and we're saying, God, show up and show off. Show us who you are. Help us to understand how you want to mold us and make us into your image. And so some of you during this time of fasting may choose to, to give up one meal a day. Let's just say perhaps you give up lunch every day, and during that time you spend extra time reading and praying. Because if you're just skipping food, I mean, people do that all the time for health reasons, right? Fasting's actually kind of popular right now for health reasons. But that's not what our goal is. You'll get that benefit if you fast. But the goal is that you connect with the Lord. And so as you do this, maybe you give up one meal a day, or maybe you want to do a fast where it's an all-liquid fast. Remember to check with your doctors, you know, check with that first. Uh, that can, uh, if you're taking medication and stuff, make sure you're okay that direction. But you may want to give up every meal and spend that time with the Lord. There are several of us that will be doing a liquid fast. And what that means is, for me, is anything liquid, if I can get it through a straw, it counts, okay? Now, my straw may be bigger than your straw, okay? But if I can get it through a straw, it counts. And so I, I allow myself potato soup, tomato soup, uh, smoothies, things like that. Because if you're doing this with us for 21 days, you also have to get up and go to work, right? And so it, uh, now if you want to do it 21 days with water only, please consult your physician first. That's, that's pretty extreme. Uh, but the, those are the things we're looking to do. And again, we're not doing this just so we can say we're doing it. We're doing this so that we can deny ourselves one thing and connect with God in a more focused arena, okay? So that's a little explanation. Now let's look at Joel where they called for a fast. Uh, again, Joel chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. And then we're going to jump to 12, because um, 3 through 10 is where he's talking about what they're going through, how the locusts have eaten their, their crops, and how they are struggling and calling out for help. So Joel chapter 1, verse 1 says, the Lord gave this message to Joel, son of Pethuel. Verse 11, despair all you farmers, wail all you vine growers, weep because the wheat and barley, all the crops of the field are ruined. The grapevines have dried up and the fig trees have withered. The pomegranate trees, palm trees, and apple trees, all the fruit trees have dried up and the people's joy has dried up with them. 
So it's not just a physical problem, but even their hope, their very spirits have dried up. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to speak to us. Father, we are so blessed. We have so many gifts that you've given us. And yet, Lord, it's, it's a pretty rough time on the world right now. And we just want to come before you. And we want to ask that you would speak to us, not just this morning, but over the next 21 days. God, I pray that you'll reveal to each person in this room today how much you want to connect with their heart. And I pray over the next 21 days, Lord, that it would be like you would open up a a new level of faith in their spiritual journey, that they would learn some new nuggets, that you would speak into them even more hope, that you would show them even more of the spiritual gifts you've given them, and that they they would find new ways to pray, to listen, to read, and find a renewed passion for you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right. So if you got your listening guide, what they hand you when you come in the door, the the first thing I want you to see is that God listens to his people when they cry out to him. He listens to you. Now, it doesn't always feel that way, okay? And I, I personally have never heard the audible voice of God. I have friends that have, but I've never heard the audible voice of God. But I know because of his word and because of answers he's given me that he listens to me when I pray. In this story with Joel, they are, they are seeking God. Now, they're seeking God because they're in, in a corner, right? Uh, they've been worshiping other idols. They've been living lives the way they want to live them, very sinful lives. They've rejected God for a long time. And now all of a sudden these locusts come, and it says there's like three waves of locusts. They didn't just eat a little bit. They ate a bunch, and then another wave came and ate more, and then the third wave just kind of destroyed everything. And so being an agricultural society without refrigeration and all that kind of thing, this is what they live off of is the crops they bring in each year. And so they have nothing at this point. They are starving. They are hungry. And all of a sudden, what do they do? When they're laying on their back, struggling with nowhere to look but up, they look to God. Have you been there before? Sadly, oftentimes, that is when we look up to God. Well, the good news is this. He hears us. And he hears their cry in this moment. He hears them calling out, and he listens, and he comes to offer them hope. And that's what I would say today. I hope this message, I hope the next 21 days for each and every person, those watching online, those that are here, that this is a message of hope. That these next four weeks, that as you seek God, you'll begin to hear him new and afresh and get hungry for his word and get hungry for him. Well, uh, God sends Joel as a messenger of hope letting them know that there is hope. Now, he does rebuke them. He calls them out on their sin. He calls them out on their idolatry. And he tells them to turn back to the things of the Lord. Now, I want to say to you that sometimes it doesn't feel like God's listening. 
I use the phrase, sometimes it feels like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. You ever use that phrase? Like I'm crying out to God like, Lord, why don't you help me with this? Why don't you do this for me? And it feels like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling and coming right back down because I feel like I just keep getting a no. I remember being in college, had a girl that man I was head over heels for and she loved me, I thought, and man, we were going strong and I'm thinking maybe this is gonna be marriage. And then she dumped me. Now, I know that never happened to any of you guys, right? You know. But I remember praying to the Lord, like, Lord, I need you to fix this. And I'm so glad he said no. Now, because she didn't want to be in ministry. And that was her hesitancy. And then God brought me my wife, who has a heart and a desire for ministry. And serving together is so much more fun than me serving alone and pulling someone along with me. But you see, sometimes we can't, we can't see it in the moment because we so want what we want when we want it, right? And we're crying out for God to give us what we want. And I want to challenge you the next 21 days. Instead of crying out to God for what you want, I want to challenge you to cry out for God for who he is. And pray the next 21 days and say, Lord, Show me more of who you are. Show me more of your heart, God, so that I can walk out you every day in my life. I can walk that journey together with you. Now, um, number two, God calls us to humble ourselves and turn away from sin. To humble ourselves and turn away from sins. Joel 1.13, he says this, Dress yourselves in burlap and weep, you priests. Wail, you who serve before the altar. Come, spend the night in burlap, you ministers of my God. For there is no grain or wine to offer at the temple of your God. What was this idea of burlap? Well, they would literally wear burlap on their bodies that would be very uncomfortable. If you could imagine burlap against your skin, it would rub you, it would like cut into you all the time. It was a way for them to acknowledge to God that they're humbling themselves before him and that they needed him desperately. Now, some Christians throughout the generations have practiced this thing uh, called self-flagellation where they would like beat themselves to try to show their remorsefulness from their sin, but I will tell you, Christ took the beating for us. We don't have to take the beating anymore. This is the gift that we have in Jesus Christ. He has forgiven us. He has rescued us. He has set us free from our past. And so you don't have to come and, and defeat yourself. You don't have to come and beat yourself. You get to turn to Christ and confess and ask for forgiveness. And he takes your sin and he places them upon the cross. And we are forgiven. That is the gift that we have. But we're called to humble ourselves. And I think pride is probably the biggest barrier to genuine faith. Men, I find with men the challenge is we think we can do it ourselves. We don't want to call out to God to help us with our marriage. We, we can figure it out ourselves. We don't want to call out to God and ask him to help us in our job. We can figure it out ourselves. 
We don't want to call out to God and ask for help as a dad because we know how to do this. When the truth is, if we will humble ourselves and call out to God and say, Lord, I don't have all the answers, but I know you do, and we'll listen, then he can give us the wisdom we need to make that step. Ladies, I find that with ladies, oftentimes it's the idea of control. I want to control everything. I want everything to go the way I want. I want it to go according to my plan and, and, and the way I've planned my life out. And I want it to be in this order like this. And, and when it doesn't go that way, it, it, it can frazzle you. I want to challenge you to give the control to God. I want to challenge you to humble yourself and acknowledge that you really have no control because you don't know what tomorrow holds. Today, as we drive home, hopefully not, but one of us could end up in a car accident and, and all the plans and ideas we have for 2024 could change immediately. We have no control and we have no promise of tomorrow. So if we will humble ourselves and acknowledge that we need God, that he is the king, he is the truth, he is the way, then he can begin to work through us and in us. And that's what I'm hoping these next 21 days is we will humble ourselves and start with an attitude of, Lord, teach me. Lord, show me. Because we all need God. Every one of us in here needs him. We all have those moments, and we all need him. Well, third, God calls his people to corporate fasting. Uh, Joel 1.14 says, Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Bring the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple of the Lord your God and cry out to him there. All throughout the Old Testament, there's a call for this corporate fasting when we are going to humble ourselves together before God and we're going to seek him out together and we're going to ask him to do something together. That's what we're doing the next 21 days. We are calling out to God as a church. We are humbling ourselves together, and we're asking God to do a new work, a new work in us and a new work in our community. What, what if God in each of us does such a work that we begin to take it where we live, where we work, and where we play? What if God even convicts us of some sins and we go and we ask people for forgiveness and there's breakthroughs in relationships with our children, our grandchildren, our siblings, our next door neighbors. God wants to do a work in each one of us and in us as a church family and in us as a community of Putnam County and the whole Upper Cumberland. My hope is that this year there's 21 churches and that next year there's 121 churches. My hope is that we begin to hunger after God because our nation, our nation so needs it. There's confusion amongst our young people. There's confusion amongst our middle-aged people. And there's confusion amongst our senior adults as to who God is and who we are. And I believe the answer is in the Word of God and in prayer. And so I pray that the next 21 days we will humble ourselves and be willing to listen and let God speak to us, whatever that, whatever that means and wherever that leads us. Now, interestingly enough, he calls to the ministers 
to the priest of the day for them to spend the night in burlap. He calls all of us. It starts here with me. Listen, I, I don't have everything together. I wish I could tell you that I'm, a, I, I'm walking this, this word of God out perfectly. I'm not. There are things I am still growing in my faith, and you're on a spiritual journey too. You don't have it all figured out. And the sooner we humble ourselves and acknowledge that, the sooner we can grow through our weaknesses. This last Friday night, I had one of those moments. I'm ready to go to bed. My wife and I had a great date. And uh, we, we come back to the house, and I'm thinking we're going to prop our feet up and relax. And all of a sudden, we had a poop problem. You ever had one of those septic problems that it goes bad at the wrong time? And had a mess. And instead of propping my feet up and enjoying the evening, I'm vacuuming up poopy water on my knees. And I called the plumber, and they were out of town. And so I'm like, okay, I guess I got to figure this out. Now, I wish in that moment I was praising the Lord because I've never had to do that before on a Friday night. But instead, as I'm vacuuming this stuff up, the song that pops in my head literally is this. I hadn't sung this song in forever. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Anybody remember that song? If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. The old hee-haw. I don't know when the last time was I heard that song, but that's what popped in my head. I wasn't thinking Bible verses like, praise ye the Lord, all ye lands. I was just wanting to complain and whine. As I'm on my knees, I mean, you can't get much more humble than being on your knees vacuuming up poop, I'm just saying. I just said, God... I need your help to be thankful in this moment. And I started thinking of things like, well, Lord, I'm thankful I've got a shop back. <laughs> I literally was like, Lord, thank you for a shop back. And I'm like, my wife was right there with me helping me. I was like, Lord, thank you for my wife that's right here with me helping me. And I was like, well, Lord, thank you that we have septic, right? I've been to countries where they don't. And you're smelling that stuff 24-7. And then I started thinking about the fact that, you know, this is the first Friday night that I know that I've ever had to do this. I can be thankful for that, right? I just want to tell you, I didn't start in the right spot with God in that moment. But as I began to pray and humble myself, I got to the right spot. So I don't know where you're at in your life right now. You may be crying out to God going, God, you are not listening. I'm mad. I'm tired, I'm tired of praying and getting nothing. I just want you to, to know, don't give up. It's not a sin to be frustrated, it's not. But what we do with that, do we take it to God and try to ask God to help us, or do we just whine and bellyache and get more bitter? I wanna challenge you to humble yourself and seek him out in those times, okay? Third thing. God calls his people, uh, oh, I already said that, to corporate fasting. And so as we, all, as we all fast and pray together, together we'll get to see what God wants to do. And as you're fasting, everybody's going to fast something different, right? Uh, I mean, some of you may fast one meal a day. Some may fast 
a certain type of food, maybe, maybe meat. Let me say this, this does not count. If you're saying that you're fasting vegetables, we don't count that. <laughs> that, that does not count, okay? Unless you're vegetarian, that doesn't count. Uh, so what are you gonna fast? What are you gonna set aside so that you can focus on God? I mentioned this last week. Some of you might need to be social media. It might need to be the television. Might need to be video games. It might need to be uh, alcohol. Might need to be tobacco. It might need to be a certain kind of food. If there is something that has a hold on you, one thing that's neat is they say that it takes 21 days to make a habit. And so I'm hoping everybody makes the habit of praying and reading the Bible each day this next 21 days. But it also takes 21 days to break a habit. So I'm also hoping that each one of us in here can break any habits that are pulling us away from God as well. Now we've got devotional, uh, video devotions and written devotions for the next 21 days. Uh, TJ will tell you more about that. But we want to help build these habits so we are humbling ourselves before God and seeking him in this time. Fourth thing, God desires to get our hearts right with him. Joel 2, 12 and 13. That is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is time. And when is there time? Let me just say, you always have time as long as you're still breathing. And as best I can tell, you're all breathing in here, so we have time. So if you're here and you're thinking, oh, it's too late for me, I've been too far from God for too long, that's a lie. There is still time starting today. Starting today, there is still time that you can turn to the Lord. He says, give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord, your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. Sometimes people have said to me, I like the God of the Old Testament. No, I like the God of the New Testament, but not the God of the Old Testament. You ever had somebody say that? It's like the God of the Old Testament seems so harsh. No, it's just that the, the words that you have written down are God trying to correct people because they're not walking with him. His heart has been the same forever in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is that we will rend our hearts, that our hearts would be open to God's love, and our hearts would be open to giving God's love. I was listening to a uh, preacher on social media just yesterday, and and uh, he was speaking to a college group. And he goes to all these college groups and he goes to college campuses and he speaks live on the campuses and he just inserts himself and, and just allows them to answer and ask any question that they have. And they ask him a question about um, how does he have, does he have friends, is he racist? And does he have friends that are racist? He said, I don't believe I'm racist. He said, I've confessed any of that. But yes, I have friends that are racist. And they were like appalled that he would admit that he had friends that were racist. He said, I also have friends that are liars, cheats. He said, 
We, we can love people even if we don't agree with them on everything. And yet we're in this culture right now that says if we disagree with somebody, we have to cancel them. We have to shut them out from who we are. And folks, that is not righteousness. Okay, righteousness is where we are called to live a life that is exemplary and, and glorifies God. But it does not mean that we lock everybody else out of our life that doesn't live that way. We're called to love and show grace and forgiveness just as Christ has shown that to us. And so God desires our hearts to be connected with him and then our hearts to be connected with others around us. He wants to work on our hearts. And so it's beautiful to me. I want to read verse 13 one more time because to me it's what people are telling me when they say they don't like the God of the Old Testament because he seems so harsh. Now, verse 13 describes who God is, even in the Old Testament. It says, don't tear your clothing and your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is what? Merciful and compassionate, slow to get and filled with unfailing. He is eager to and not you see, God's like the perfect dad. I'm not the perfect dad, but I love my kids. And when they do stuff wrong, I really and truly don't even want to punish them. I want them just to get it right and we can move on. Because usually when I have to punish them, it just makes me unhappy too, right? It's like, oh, man. And then you do something like you ground them from driving, and then you think, oh, no, now i got to start driving them places again. Right? I just want them to get it and be in love with me and, and, and the family, and I really do. And, and whenever they get it, I'm like, okay, you know what? I said a week, but we'll make it a day. And I'm not going to lie. Part of that may be because it's easier on me. And I, you know, so I just said this because they're almost all out of the house now. I can tell them the truth. But uh, I, I can reveal my secrets, right? But part of it, too, is because I so love them that I don't want them to miss out on the good stuff in life. I really don't. I want them to enjoy the journey with God, with their family, and with others. And so your God loves you. He desires to forgive you. He's not up there looking and hoping that you sin so he can squash you. He's looking and hoping that you'll repent and ask for forgiveness so he can wash you clean and give you hope and renew you again. So over the next 21 days, I challenge you to rend your heart. Open your heart to God in a way that you allow him to speak into your heart about everything, which leads to the last thing. God pours his spirit on us and gives us hope and purpose. Do you want that hope and purpose? I believe you do. And so to do that, you've got to be willing to rend your heart. Let me, let me give you this last illustration. I think of it like my house, okay? And with my house, we, we have a lot of people come and go through our house. We have a lot of people that have lived with us. We have a lot of... Uh, a lot of my kids and my, a lot of my kids' friends come by. 
And we really try to keep the living room and the kitchen like cleaned up. But if, if you come look in my bedroom, well, let's put it this way. I went through my closet yesterday and I found a shirt from high school that I hadn't worn since high school. It's like, why do I still have this shirt that I don't wear? You know why? Because I, I put it in my closet and I ignore what's in my closet, right? I don't deal with it every day. I, I put it in the corner of the closet. I ignore what's in the closet. But now if it was on the couch, my wife would say, hey, honey, you going to come get your shirt off the, the couch? Or she'd bring it to me in my room and say, hey, are you done with this? Can we put it away? Because it's in the living room. But if we put it in the closet, well, that's kind of okay to forget about. So in your life and mine, I want to ask you, what's in your closet? You see, th this morning when you come here today, it looks pretty good, right? I mean, we all kind of put on our Sunday best, and we, we see our friends, and we talk. And, and matter of fact, if you're around me for the most time in church life, you won't see a whole lot of sin in my life because I've got my kitchen and my living room cleaned up, right? But what about my closet? What about when nobody's around and I'm at the house all by myself? What about when I, I go back and hang out with my friends from the past? What about when I'm around those guys that we like to hang out and, and do activities together and we're, we just kind of start telling jokes? What, what's in my closet? And I would ask you, what's in your closet? Is it envy? When you get on social media and you see everybody at, uh, having their vacations in the Bahamas and you go camping because you can't afford the Bahamas, is there envy? Is there greed? You get upset at your fellow employees because they make more money than you and don't seem to work as hard as you do? Is there, is there greed and envy? Is there unforgiveness? Is there somebody in your past that you've never forgiven and you've shoved that in the corner of your closet and every now and then you run across it, you see a picture of them and you go, oh, I hate that person, I hate that person. They're the worst person ever. And you, you just allow yourself to nibble on it every now and then because you feel like you deserve that because of what they did to you. I say unforgiveness is like poison. It's like you drinking poison and expecting it to kill somebody else. Unforgiveness just destroys your own faith and your own heart. Maybe it's pornography. Some estimates are 100% of people in our culture have dealt with that. Used to be you had to go looking for it and now it gets sent to you all the time on your phones, put before you on billboards, Laughed about, encouraged even, mocked. What is the sin that's in your closet? I want to challenge you to give that over to the Lord the next 21 days. And say, Lord, I'm going to be free and pure from that for the next 21 days. Maybe you don't think you can do it for life. But can you do it for 21 days? And maybe... Just maybe the Holy Spirit will break the chains that are holding you back and give you victory once and for all to walk it out every day. I'm going to ask you to stand with me.
And I want to give you a chance to respond to this hope. This hope that he gives us. Ethan's going to come out and he's going to play a song. And you can sing along with that song. You can pray during this time. My hope is that while you're standing there, you will ask God what's in your closet. And that you will say to him, Lord, whatever is there, I'm committing to get rid of. And maybe you need to confess that to somebody. Maybe you need to confess it to your spouse, your friend, your, your uh, youth pastor, your small group leader, your life group leader. Maybe you need to confess it, uh, your envy, your greed, your broken relationship to a prayer partner that will pray with you for those things. Whatever that is, I, I, I challenge you to confess that before God. And you can do that where you're standing. But also, there is something powerful, and that's why he had them and called them to fasting and to humbling themselves. And you may need to just come and humble yourself and kneel before the Lord here today. This is what this side of the altar is for. If there's something you want prayer for, you just, something you want to pray about, you just come over here and kneel and pray while Ethan's singing, and you just give it over to God. Say, Lord, here it is. 21 days, Lord, I am committing. I am giving this over to you. The right side over here is if you want somebody to pray with you about something. If you come kneel over here, one of our, our team members will put their hand on your shoulder and just say, hey, how can I pray for you? And you just let them know, man, I'm dealing with a broken relationship. I am bitter. I am mad. I, I just need help forgiving. Whatever that is, just confess it out loud and let them pray over you and ask God for victory. And there may be that you're here and you are really hurting and you just need to sit down with somebody and unpack it. It may take you 15 or 20 minutes. We have a prayer room in the back back there and we invite you to go back there during this time and just say, I, need to, I just need to talk. I just need you to pray over me. And maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's 10, maybe it's 15. That's what that's there for. We have prayer warriors back there wanting to pray over you. And I'll be down front. You can come to me or the team over here. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never found that hope and that purpose, please come talk to us. Please come and just say, how can I follow Jesus? And let us pray with you in that journey.